Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gets his disciples together and he sends them out to start spreading the good news about the kingdom of God. And he deals with them and, and instructs them and really warns them pretty sternly, and not just on this trip, but prophesying into the future, that people who follow Christ uh, will at times be very derided. Some will suffer, uh, some killed for their faith. Uh, you know, he said it would be a, a tough haul. He says, they hate me. The world hates me. And if they hate me, they're going to hate you. Because when you follow me, you identify totally with me. He said, but don't fear him who can kill the body. Fear rather God. who can. Don't worry about this life. Worry about the next one, you know. And uh, so he goes on. And then when he gets to the end, chapter 10, verse 40, he talks about how he identifies with us in such a strong way. He says, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. Anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. There is an incredible identification that Jesus has with those of us who call him Lord. He considers when people, how people deal and treat with us is like how they are dealing and treating him. He says, whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. You see, we all get to share in the kingdom of God. You may not have the talent to get up here and and play instruments like this. Uh, you may not be able to sing like these singers. You may not be able to talk like Keith and these different guys. Uh, but it, it doesn't matter. When we all get together, uh, we all share in the kingdom of God. Uh, we are various uh, parts of a much, much larger picture. We all matter. And we all share in the same reward, which is a wonderful thing. It's not just based on who's the loudest. All right. Uh, much of the kingdom of God, I dare say... The bulk of the ministry of the kingdom of God in this church does not come from here. It comes from you. And that's the way it should be. And we all share together in that. So then we finish chapter 10 and we go on to... uh, Oh, and then verse 42, he says, Anyone who gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, I tell you, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Again, this identification with us. So, and, and then chapter 11, he says, now, after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. Now, when John, now this is John the Baptist, when John, who was in prison, so he got thrown into prison because John was very confrontational. <laughs> he wasn't a nice guy. He was in people's face all the time. And people were stunned. Oftentimes on the way he would talk. And then Herod decides to take his brother's wife. And John speaks out against it. Gets him in all kinds of trouble. As I spoke last Sunday. You have to understand. God has his list of what is right and what is wrong. And it is a very clear list. Now there's lots of things biblically speaking that are shades of gray and hard to see. But there's some things that are crystal clear. This kind of stuff is crystal clear. And it doesn't matter, as I said last Sunday, how much you love somebody. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Herod and his brother's wife might have had incredible love for each other. But it was wrong what they were doing. And John spoke out against it. As a result, Herod really got ticked. And had John arrested and thrown into prison. 
So when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, speaking of the Messiah, or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Now this is quite remarkable. Stop and think about this. John the Baptist, he was a major figure, the uh, transformational figure from the Old Testament into the New Testament, as Jesus talks about. Uh, He says the law and the prophets, all that was up until John, and then Jesus comes, and then we have the New Testament, a major transformation and transition into grace and away from the law uh, that was just, you know, very, very uh, oppressive at times in their lives. And... uh, John the Baptist, the Bible says, was filled uh, with the Holy Spirit uh, in his mother's womb. And as far as we know, this is the only man in the history of mankind who was actually filled with the Holy Spirit before birth itself. He goes on, he preaches up a storm. Multitudes of people go to listen to him. He's the one who is preparing the way of the Messiah. He sees Jesus coming. He says, behold, the Lamb of God. This is... The Messiah. And he takes Jesus and he baptizes him. And then Jesus begins his ministry. Now, John is doubting. He says, he sends his followers who visit him in prison. Go ask, is he the one or should we expect someone else? And then Jesus encourages him by telling them to share what God was doing in the midst of all the people. To try and encourage John's faith. Now, what's amazing about this, you would think if anybody would never doubt, it would have been a guy like John, right? You know, we doubt because, you know, we're us, but, you know, John, surely John would, these guys in the Bible never doubt. No, no, they doubted. And he doubted because he was suffering terribly. It's really easy to believe in Jesus and serve God when everything is good, it's when things go bad. When things go south, when things are not going the way that we expect, things now, now it's tough. But this is when your faith is really purged in the fire to see what's really real in your life. This is why the Bible says as the church, we're supposed to be there for each other. The purpose of Celebration Church or any church is supposed to be you helping one another to walk through life. Because at times you struggle, at times you stumble, at times you fall, at times things are really, 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 really hard. And the Bible says we're supposed to pray for each other. We're supposed to bear each other's burdens. The good news is you don't have to do this by yourself. In fact, you can't do this by yourself. We're supposed to be there for each other. The Bible tells us to confess your faults to each other, encourage one another. Christianity on an island is an illusion. There are people that think they can be Christians and well, I just, I don't really belong to a church. I I just serve God on my own. These people are delusional. It was never intended to be that way. The truth is, life itself was never intended to be on an island experience. The most miserable, miserable people in the world are the ones who never share anything. For whatever reason... They think maybe, you know, this is why a lot of guys are this way. I'm a man. Your man should never share anything. The problem is the weights get really, really heavy after a while. Then you can start to doubt. You can feel like God's five million miles away. You say, why is that? Well, 
dude, you're not supposed to be doing this by yourself. Get off the island. Join with people. Share with people. I know it's a little scary and it can be troublesome for some, but that's the purpose of getting together, getting to know each other. That's why we have these different activities. That's why we're here, is to help to teach us to open up to each other and to do life together. Couples. Married couples. You know, a lot of people live in this stupid thinking. You know, nobody should know our business. Nobody should know. Don't you tell your in-laws about our business. Don't you tell our friends. Don't tell anybody about that. And then you're just going crazy. And it's just the two of you on the island. And then you turn into cannibals and you eat each other. I promise you, the couples who are absolutely the most miserable are the ones who never tell anybody their business. And you fight about the stupidest things on earth. And it just gets so emotional. You're just hitting all the triggers in each other. So I'm telling you, a lot of you, you don't need counseling even from me. You don't necessarily need therapy. You know, some of you just need to get some friends. Get a life. Good Lord. Say, well, we don't have any friends. Welcome to the church. Now you're supposed to find some friends in here. People you can share life with. Couples who are the healthiest air, they're crazy with friends. They do. There's something healthy about just arguing about the same. My wife and I will do this. We'll get together with people and say, you know, she said this. And I, but you know what? But when it's just the two of you, it sounds really rational. Until you say it, you go, that's really stupid, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. You know. Well, I won't put that thing over there, and, and I think she should put that over there. And you think, seriously, I guess I'm that mad about this? And of course, your friends will say, dude, get a life. You know. And you start to get a perspective. Some of you just need some people speaking into your lives. I think the thermostat should be at 71. I think it should be at 69. I, what How about 70? You know, we don't think about those things. But someone else will say, you know, you guys ought to just put it at 70 and see how that works for a while. You know. Get off the island. Good grief. It's amazing how the strength people have and the tolerance for misery in their lives. Share your needs so we can pray for you. And let me say this, and, and I don't say this to be mean to anybody, although it always sounds like I'm being mean to somebody. But it's a, and I know a lot of you, and there's several of you, they're not picking on any one individual. This is very common. We will hear, I will hear of someone who's horribly sick or really struggling in life. I'll hear of someone on their deathbed. And I said, well, you pray so 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 and so they're dying. And I go, really? I didn't even know they were sick. And it kind of ticks you off a little bit. I mean, it's not fair. You're part of a family. We should be able to pray for each other. But we can't pray for each other. I don't want everybody to know my business. Well, what is that? That's not fair to everybody else. You're part of something bigger than you. At least you're supposed to be. And when you share your struggling through it, whether it's sickness or whatever financial troubles in your life, let us stand with you and pray with you and encourage you and trust God. We believe God answers prayer. But He can't answer prayers that are never prayed. Now, having said that, the reason why a lot of people don't share their troubles is because people around them get all creepy about it. All right? Don't creep people out. 
for example, people who are going through physical problems. Let's say someone says they have cancer. You know, then everybody just has to come after them. They're just so, oh, so sad. So sad to hear you got cancer. When you're dead, we'll take care of your children for you. You know, you don't want to hear stuff like that. I remember when my wife first got cancer, people come, yeah, I know people who died from that. I'm thinking, seriously, I don't need to hear this. How about you be encouraging? Don't be going around having pity. A lot of people don't want to share because they don't want the big pity party and all the creeping out. And the other thing, which just irritates me, stop with the miracle cures. All right. You have no idea how irritating that is. You know, you get sick and someone who doesn't know you from Adam. Well, you know, if you just took, you know, if you just took these vitamins, you'd be, you wouldn't have that problem. You know, suck on this juice three times a day and this will care. Or, you know, they say if you lick this toad, this toad will clear, cure your cancer. You know, this, are you kidding? Is this not true? Anybody who's ever been sick knows this. They have all these people come up and you start sharing. Shut up! Stop! Now, if you're good friends with that person and you're convinced licking a toad will help them, then you can share it with them. But I promise, one of the reasons people don't want to share is because everybody comes out with their goofy little cures. Gee, I wish the world was as smart as you. Stop that. How about you just pray for people, encourage people, don't pity with them and don't give them some toad-licking advice. Oh, I feel much better now. <laughs> is this making sense? Don't do that to people. Seriously, they don't want to hear it. It just... just Keep your toad to yourself. But having said that, the rest of you, when you're struggling with stuff, you need to share with people so people can join together. The Bible says two are stronger than one. Three chord band cannot be broken. I mean, the more you get joining together to trust God in your life, the more likely you'll start getting answers to prayer in your life. If you really need prayer, and I think most of us here do, when you're going through a hard time, you need to share it. Or you don't want to end up like John the Baptist. Now, John, he was okay. But here's a guy who starts out in this blaze of glory. Now he's doubting who Jesus is. On the one hand, that should encourage anybody who feels frustrated this morning. Maybe you feel like, you know, where is God? You're not alone. Whenever you go to the dungeon, you're suffering. The lights are off. It's easy to doubt. At least John had friends that he could send, who came back and encouraged him. See, Jesus said, tell him this and tell him that. And tell. So these guys went back and they encouraged John. Jesus could have said, well, where is he? I'll go, I'll go encourage him. No, no, no. Let your friends encourage you. Let God use your friends so that he can speak into your life. So then as John's disciples were leaving, it says in verse 7, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. He said, what, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? To see? John was quite the rock star in his days. I mean, thousands of people went out to see him. Did you go see a reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes, which was kind of like an inside joke. Because, you know, he just wore camel skins and stuff. You know, and he ate bugs. You never wanted to get invited over to John the Baptist's house. 
Did you go to see a man of No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, and then this is, these are the prophecies of the Old Testament. They all knew that God was going to send someone just before the Messiah. And he's saying, this is the guy, pointing out the fact that he was the Messiah, you see. He said, this is the he that fulfilled this prophecy. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. So this is that major factor. They, they, they called him uh, prophetically in the Old Testament that Elijah was going to come again. Many of them thought it was literally Elijah. He says, I tell you the truth, those, among, those born among women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. He was an amazing figure in history. Even though he's doubting. Check that out. No one greater than John the Baptist. Yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. I always tell people I expect to have a house right next to John the Baptist. John and I will be close. Why? Because he's at the bottom. I forgot I'm pretty close to the bottom somewhere in there. You know. He said, well, why would he that why is he at the bottom? Let me tell you why. He was filled with the Holy Spirit before he was even born. You see, to whom much is given, much shall be required. You say, Pastor, it's so hard, it's so hard. Yes, hallelujah. You see, the harder it is, the more faith it takes, the greater the reward will be in heaven. Hello. All right, don't get discouraged that life is hard. You think, man, I, I want to be like John. I want to have the power of God from the day I was... Okay, and a great man he was, but in heaven he'll be at the very bottom. Although I'd rather be at the bottom of heaven than at the top of hell. And then he says this. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. Other translations say forcefully advancing. The kingdom has been forcefully advancing and the force will take uh, hold of it. But a lot of translations use this word violence. The, the word that he's using here is very, very intense. What is he saying? It's not that you're violent people, like crazy people with guns and knives running around going to heaven. He's talking about the intensity. If you want to go to heaven, you have to want it. It doesn't happen casually. There's many, many people who say, do you know God in your life? Well, I think I do. Are you going to go to heaven? Well, I hope so. I sure hope so. Someday we'll find out. You know, And they're just casual about it. Man, that's a bad place to be. You want to make it to heaven, you make it on purpose. You want to succeed with God, you succeed on purpose. You want to see God move in your life, you do it on purpose. I just like jumping. It's not a casual thing. It's an intentional thing. So intense that... He used this word that they have a hard time translating between forceful and violent. Is the intensity. This is how you make it. This is how you get in. And of course the whole thing, the reason we've been even preaching all of this and talking about the Gospel of Matthew is because of this casual version of Christianity that's been created in America today. Just believe, you know, it doesn't really matter and just live your life and go to church once in a while. These people are delusional. Everything Jesus has said so far that we've read is that this is very, very intense. This will cost you everything. It'll make, cause total commitment for you to follow Jesus Christ. And those who take hold of heaven will do it intensely. You've got to want it. And anybody who succeeds a lot in life has got to want it. And, and I don't mean to get on a political thing here. We just went through all this. And this is like, 
make no mistake, there's a lot of people in this country, they just want to take something from somebody else. They don't want to earn it anymore. But I promise you, we need to earn it. You want to succeed in life? You got to go make it happen. Don't be casual about it. You got to want it. Reminds me of last Sunday afternoon. I was got into a new hobby. Greg Stubbe got me into this stupid hobby. And it's remote control airplanes. And, I, and it's very, very cool. Uh, the bad news is I, I crash them all the time. The good news is I don't fly my airplane that way. But the remote, this is kind of hard. Okay. So I got this new remote control airplane. It's all day to put this thing together. It's my, my latest airplane. So suddenly after the Packer game, I went out in the church parking lot. Fired up. Well, the thing would barely climb. And I couldn't get it to climb. I couldn't get it to turn. It wouldn't respond. It's heading for the bay. I mean, I was, ah! I finally got it to come around. It's starting to come back to the church. And it gets over the cornfield. Man. Crash another. So I went out in the cornfield to get my plane. An hour and a half. <laughs> Up and down that stupid cornfield. I where is the stupid plane? It has to be here. Now a sane person would have given up after about thirty minutes. But I really wanted it. And I wouldn't stop. I was like, like a chihuahua. I'm all over the place and just oh, and I got to the other side of the cornfield down by the church the cornfield and then off there was those woods way down in the, out there oh man I look up and there's this deer stand well, I'm going to climb the deer stand I want to see if I can see my plane so I'm climbing the deer stand I'm about halfway up and I'm thinking, what am I doing? You know how many people fall out of deer stands? Where's Butch Kostrava? He's, sort of, he's all battered up today because he fell out of his deer stand, man. He's a, all busted up. I'm climbing up on top of that thing. I'm skidding the thing. I'm like, oh my goodness. For all I know, the last guy who was in this died. So, I'm going to fall and kill myself. It'll take you guys three weeks to find out what happened to the pastor. Where is he? I don't know. We went to fly an airplane. You know, and my bones will be out there somewhere. You know, before somebody figures it out, the next deer hunter will come along. He'll find me. Finally up there and I look off. It's not even in the cornfield. It's over here. I go, it's at eight million pieces. This is busted all the smithereens. And I pick it up and I plod back through the cornfield. I go home. My wife says, how was it? <laughs> Covered with corn stalks and mud. It didn't go well. You know. But here it is. I got it because I want it. 
It's the same thing with faith. Man, if you want, you got to go after it. Things don't always come easy in life. Has anybody noticed that? For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he knew it would be kind of hard for him to grab it. He said, he is the Elijah that was supposed to come. That's one of the things about prophecy. That's why you don't want to get too crazy when you get into these prophetic things. Because stuff that seems really, 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 really clear isn't exactly clear. You know, they thought for sure Elijah was going to come. And Jesus says, well, this was the Elijah. So it was symbolic. That's when you're reading like the book of Revelation. How much of it is a symbolism? How much is it reality? I don't know. I don't think the Antichrist is literally going to have 666 on his forehead. Be kind of easy to identify, wouldn't you think? <laughs> it's obviously symbolic. Symbolic of what? I don't know. I hope I'm gone before it all happens. This is all I can think. Anyway, so he says to them, look, if you can handle it, this is the Elijah who was to come. And then he says this, whoever has ears to hear, whoever has ears, let him hear. Why does Jesus, he says that over and over again. Because at some point you can share as much, I can preach my little brains out. But unless Jesus turns the light on in people's hearts, it just doesn't work. We have to share, and even in your own life, when you share truth with people, and share God's love with people. Always remember, it's not your job to get them to respond. It's your job to plant seeds and then let God water those seeds and make them come to life. 